Man, the Warriors bounce back after game one. Embiid wins MVP but can't get a win. And the clinic tries to make sense of the firing of a championship coach. I'm Rosa Panda, the clinic, all NBA podcast. I have the two hooligans with me. JJ, how you living, my friend? Woo, feeling good, feeling great. Cinco de Mayo, what up? Hola. Oh man, Cinco de Drinko, I hope you all are safe out there. Sammy, how you living, my friend? I'm good, my man. I'm I'm celebrating vicariously through you after that thorough warrior demolishing of the Lakers last night. <laughs> man, it felt pretty good. We have to talk about that one. We have to talk about it. It's actually the first thing on our schedule here. The Warriors even up the series one to one. And before the game even started, I already I already was like on alert of like Lakers being up 2-0. Just because I saw on my phone, it says Kevon Looney is going to be coming off the bench because he has an illness. And Jamichael Green will be inserted in the starting lineup. JJ, I know your feelings on Jamichael Green. Also, some of the other players. What were you thinking when this news hit? Jamichael Green, 15 points. Who would have thought? That he would have even scored 15 points throughout the entire postseason, let alone one game against the Lakers. But, and here's the but, the Warriors, at the end of game one, you saw that they were catching up with the small ball lineup. They wanted to spread the floor. They wanted AD and LeBron not to play, as we say, free safety in the key. Perfect chess move from Steve Kerr. He could have went small with Draymond Green and pull, but put Draymond Green at the four and let Jermichael Green at the five. Started off kind of, you know, shaky. He was off his first two shots, but then as the game was going, he started making them and he was, what, six for 10? Major props to Jermichael Green. Dami has the impartial fan of the series what did you see did you like what you saw from jamichael green let jamichael cook Uh, (laughs) i will say um it's funny how things evolve because i never would have thought a few years back that if i saw before the game started kevon looney uh potentially not playing i would have freaked out that much too but for you guys i was and uh, I will say, as the gambling aficionado of the show who may or may not have had a little money on the Warriors, let's not release that information 20 minutes before game time. Please and thank you, Mr. Kerr. We, let's be good to the fans. If you're in bed with gambling, we need to know. The public needs to know. This is true. Um, I do like I like some of the adjustments I saw, with, and I assume some of this was because he was starting. Um, Seemed like Draymond was setting up a little farther inside than he normally does to facilitate the offense. I, I noticed him a lot more near the free throw line and close to the top, like not as much on the top of the key when he was setting up and facilitating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It also seemed like the Lakers made a hard and fast decision to play off of him and he played aggressively and downhill because of that and took advantage. Yes. Um, other couple things I noticed, uh, Clay was clearly on his game. I think part of that was because as obviously as you two would know better than me, Clay's not going to get the bulk of his scoring off the dribble. He's obviously going to come off cuts, pin downs, things of that nature. 
and it felt like the Lakers weren't quite as much in his face as they were game one, probably from a little fatigue, but the defense just wasn't as intense and they let Clay get in a rhythm and you could just see that he was feeling it. You could see it pretty much, I would say, by the second quarter and they didn't do enough there. I, I would anticipate they're going to try to make him a lot more uncomfortable. Uh, last thing, we talked about this a little bit before we jumped on, is just there, there's a wide-scaling trend where if the home team loses game one, they tend to come out and absolutely fire back in game two. And that happened in this series. It happened with Boston Philly. And uh, I want to credit this exact phrase, but I think it was uh, Raheem Palmer from The Ringer, who, shout out to him, great material all the time. But he said the Lakers basically emptied the clip in game one. Anthony Davis played 44 minutes. They knew that the Warriors were coming off a grueling seven-game series, and it was clear that was the game they wanted to take. And give them credit, they took it. So you had the feeling everything lined up for this to be a smash spot in game two for the Warriors, and credit to them, and they came in, took care of business, and they were able to give their guys the fourth quarter off so that they could rest up for what's going to be a very pivotal game three. So yeah, shout the, out to the Warriors for taking care of business. The Lakers did what they were supposed to do, and they stole a game, and... You said it perfectly. Game one was the game to steal, considering they just played all those crazy minutes from the Sacramento game seven. So I'm sure John, our fellow co-host, he's not as worried um, because they did what they were supposed to do. As us, me and Jin Warrior fans, we feel good too because we like what we saw from game two. So going to our host, Jun, what did you like? What didn't you like? I mean, as a Warrior fan, I'm I'm feeling pretty good. And the reason why I'm feeling good is the way that they responded. Like, if we just won game two and it was close, I would feel absolutely nervous going into LA. But the fact that like we laid the smackdown where we saw like minutes from Tristan Thompson. Like once Tristan Thompson enters the court, dude, that is already like, that's throwing in the white towel. That's what throwing in the towel, okay? Waving the white flag. And the thing that I loved, okay, about the way the Warriors won was that they read and they adjusted everything that happened on game one and countered them beautifully. We saw Steph having trouble getting over screens because they were blocking that, that screen over so that he couldn't get his three-point shot off. And the way Kerr adjusted is that he would flash over, Curry would be able to cut underneath, they would kick it back to Curry, they collapsed on Curry and he had like an easy kick out to like Jermichael Green for a three. So like the adjustments were beautiful. Also, Draymond Green neutralizing AD, okay? Uh-huh. Being all up in his shirt, giving him trouble. AD, okay, first game, 30-23 with four blocks. Amazing game. Just out of body experience. Game two, 11-7 with two blocks. Bruh. Feel like an okay game. But that wasn't like supernatural. They're not winning this series if he keeps playing like that, though. That's the thing. Like he, he has to be close to that game one version, I think, for them to win the series. Because to me, he's the, yeah, he's the differentiating factor. He's the dynamic big. Whereas Looney is a terrific defensive player and rebounder. AD is their standout guy. He's clearly playing their number one guy in the playoffs right now over LeBron. Like they've right. gone as he's gone. When he has a good game, they win. Period. But he goes, he alternates. He keeps going back and forth, if you guys have noticed that. To me, AD, like, he's got to have at least, like, 20 to 25 points and, like, 15 rebounds a game in order for them to win. 
Now, do you guys think this is a real thing? Where AD has a good game, he then follows it up with a bad game, and then comes back with a good game. Like, what? Someone make sense of this to me. Like, do you guys have any theories about this, or is this just all coincidence? JJ, you you go ahead first. I want to hear. I actually uh, would be very interested to hear your thoughts on this. Well, from a psychological aspect, it's hard to predict because we always go off behaviors and patterns for great players, and we've seen this time and time from AD. It's the same case with James Harden, who we're gonna talk about later. But with Anthony Davis, it's. You know, as a basketball fan, not even just like a Laker fan or Warrior fan, just a NBA fan, it, you just want consistency, and that's what superstardom is all about—consistent gameplay from your stars. Right. Not a—it's not about just like that one game where they blow up, because anyone's capable of doing that. These are all professional athletes, but Anthony right. Davis needs to step it up, and. I know Laker fans have high expectations, as they should, but you kind of see their frustration. Like AD, what's what's up? You'll have a, it. It's almost expected. That's the bad part mm -hmm. that he'll have a game like this. Agreed. Yeah, and uh, you know I think uh, just to keep quoting what we're hearing because it's very similar. I think Jay Williams said something today where with AD he was saying his ceiling's as high as it gets, and he was comparing him to you know Embiid and. Jokic and these really high-end centers, but then he said, and no disrespect intended here, but he said his floor is JaVale McGee, and that's the difference between him and all these other guys. No disrespect whatsoever. <laughs> I'm just being real, and that's that's the perfect clip for that. Because look at game one. As big as the numbers were, the 30 and the yeah. 23 and everything, his impact on that game was defensively, man. Like Exactly. They didn't want to shoot on him. They, exactly. Every time they saw him in the lane, the Warriors backed up. And you just didn't see that fear in this game. And it's just like, it's purely an effort thing with him, it feels like. It's not necessarily that, you know, there's adjustments and he's being neutralized. Like, you can kind of tell in the first quarter, is this the aggressive Anthony Davis, the one that's going to, mm -hmm. it's his will, because he has that kind of ability, or is he playing passive? And you figure it out right away. So to me, that sounds like an effort and, and an attitude, like a commitment question to the game. Like, you don't question that with LeBron. You don't question it with Curry. And as a result, you don't see that kind of inconsistency like you do from him. No so I think I think it's that issue, but they're not winning the series without similar performances to that game one. He's got to play defensively like he did that game. Yeah, and another thing about this series that gets pretty interesting is that the Warriors are just playing faster and faster. It seems like in game two, they ended up with more fast break points and also more points in the paint than the Lakers, which is absolutely crazy because you uh -huh. think about like the lakers having all the size how is it that the warriors are able to score on the inside against like you said ad who should be just terrorizing everything on the inside so yeah we're gonna take it actually to our next oh actually before i go to the next topic here game three how do we see game three playing out it's hard for me and JJ to predict, so, I mean, Sammy, I'm going to have you start us off here. All right. I think this goes back and forth again. I think the Lakers won okay. game three and the Warriors. I will go one step further. I think the Lakers won three, the Warriors went four, and then game five becomes the pivotal game of this series. Mm. 
Jay, how do you see it play, playing out here? I think the Warriors will win game three. And four and five. Game four. <laughs> and and four. <laughs> <laughs> They'll split. It'll be a split in LA. Man, I think it's also going to be a split. I think game five is going to be literally where it's at. Um, But anyway, we're going to take it to our next topic here. We got to talk about Boston and the 76ers and Boston just stole a game on the road against the 76ers and what we have to talk about here is Joel Embiid so he re- he was gone for game one he returned for game two and three and those were the games in which the 76ers has lost to Boston is this like something or nothing what, what do you guys think of this? Is there like some sort of correlation here? Oh. Well, the other corollary that's, that we have to figure out is Embiid comes back and Harden who threw up 45 in game one, can't throw a rock into the ocean all of a sudden and is five <laughs> for 28 the last game. <laughs> they lost this game because here's Harden's numbers tonight, man. Three of 14. 16 points, five turnovers, Ugh. two of seven from deep. Last game, like I said, two of 14. Like, it's it's just weird. Like, you would figure Embiid attracting the attention is going to open him up, allow him to drive more, allow him to get single coverage. So is it a rest thing? Because they had so much rest between the last series and game one, and then that went away. Is he just not in playing well in this atmosphere where maybe he was playing better with five out rather than a big in the lane like it's, it's a weird corollary and beating game two looked like he still had to get up to speed i don't think his conditioning was back yet and clearly he's not 100 percent healthy tonight right. from what i saw he looked like himself the numbers reflected it I've, i felt like his mobility generally was there but between and you know what maxi too is four of 16 i mean if those guys are shooting like yep. this this series is over in five games so it's it's a very weird corollary. Doc has to figure out something fast, which is a scary statement. But Boston also has this trend of playing down to competition. So obviously, this is a very, this is a very you know obvious statement. It's not anything groundbreaking, but Game Four is pivotal, man. I expect Philly to come out firing. If they don't come out and put up a great performance in the first half, I would be shocked. But I really didn't like the way they kind of withered down the stretch. It was 196, and all of a sudden they couldn't score anymore. So, weird, weird performance from Harden the last two. The J- Joel Embiid had a comment at the press conference that said, "Everyone needs to step up." So that 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 translation for me is that, "Hey, team, help! Hey, brother, out! Help me out!" <laughs> Damn it, you hit the nail on the head. Tyrese Maxi four for sixteen. Yeah. If Maxi and Harden are both playing 40 minutes each and you only have 29 points, that's a problem. Tobias Harris only having seven, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. And you alluded it to it, and I'm glad you said it. You're counting on Doc Rivers to somehow <laughs> strategize. How to fix this bench and their efficiency, their effectiveness, and how to go against the Eastern Conference Finals contenders in the Celtics. That's a tall task to ask. So, 
you kind of had the route, which I agree with, is that the 76ers lost the game. I'll go with the different route that Celtics just played better at the end of the stretch. And Tatum, we've had his we've had criticism about his gameplay, especially at game one, turning over the ball, not really finishing around the rim. This dude came out today in a hostile environment in Philly, took over and took that crowd out. Took them out so bad that they left early. Yeah. I mean, Jason Tatum almost had a triple-double. He had 27, 10, and 8. Jalen Brown, 23, 7, and 5. I mean, those two just did everything that they could to win this game. And the interesting to me, or the interesting thing to me, was that James Harden had this quote. I think it was from last game. He talked about the spacing. He said, our spacing wasn't right, and this is a make-or-miss league. For us, we've got to do a better job of knowing where we are on the floor and just allowing each other to have space to generate shots, easier shots. And what that tells me is, okay, Joel Embiid comes back and all of a sudden Harden thinks that the spacing isn't so great anymore. So, <laughs> I mean, it's it's a it's little concerning to me. Like if, if Harden can't figure out how to play with Joel Embiid and to at least get 50% of the production that he got in game one, I don't think they're going to win this series. I think it's Boston is going to take control of it because like Joel Embiid said, as JJ says, help a brother out. Joel Embiid needs someone else, anybody to play better. And I don't know if you guys agree with me here, but when I watch the 76ers in this series, I almost feel like they should split Maxi and Harden. I don't like it when they play together. I like it when Maxi's the initiator when Joel Embiid's on the floor. And then Harden can come off the bench whenever Joel Embiid needs a sub out. That's something I would like to see. I don't know if the coach has the balls or (laughs) (laughs) the mentals to try it. But that's something that I see that I would at least want to flash. Like, I would want to just see a peek at that. Am I a little crazy for thinking this? No, not at all. Because the other thing, too, is the two of them together are a little bit of a defensive liability. Right. So, yep. splitting them up, if you have the confidence that McDaniel can take real minutes, might make some sense. It might be something that you want to try because what's gone on in the last two games isn't going to win you anything. So, it's definitely something to consider. Absolutely. We will just have to wait and see. We got to take this to our next topic here. The Heat, after winning game one, where Jimmy Butler goes down, they fight pretty hard against the New York Knicks, but they end up losing in the final moments of that game. I want to ask you guys, seeing the Heat battle like this and Spolstra just kind of coaching up this Jimmy Butlerless team, is there any hope for the Heat to come out on top here? There's hope. They almost won game two without Jimmy Butler. And give it give it up for Coach Bo, man. Spolstra. Yes. They've, they've always said that his game tactics are on point. Um, I feel that he does get undercut a lot just because of how the beginning of the Heatles started and how kind of right. LeBron... Kind of with Dwayne Wade, they kind of like undermined him or there's always those clips, right? The body language clips where like they sneak this him or 
whatnot. But gotta give it up, especially for I would say a pretty gritty New York Knicks team, Sammy. Yeah. You got Barrett, you got Randall, you got Brunson, you got Hart. Quickly, top in. They just look good. But damn, the Heat gave them some trouble and even compete without Jimmy Butler, who you could argue is currently the postseason MVP. Right? Yes. You gotta give the coach props, right? Dude, everything you said is so accurate. Like, let's let's really back up for a minute and look at who the Heat started in game two. Oh, yeah. Kevin Love. <laughs> Let me Google it. <laughs> it you might have to. Uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to bring this up on the top of my head. And I've got the box score on ESPN. Otherwise, I wouldn't know again. No disrespect, as Stephen A. said, but let's just be real. No disrespect whatsoever. Exactly. Kevin Love, Caleb Martin, Bam Adebayo, Gabe Vincent, Max Struess, and they had uh, that game. What? Yeah. Now, you tell me that Spo is not a top three coach. Like this team had the eight seed. They looked like they were going to be out of the playoffs, period. Remember, a lot of people were picking against them to lose against Chicago after they dropped that game against Atlanta. Yep. And then they right. came in. They didn't just beat Milwaukee. They beat Milwaukee in five. Let's not forget that. Like, it wasn't a close series where they stole game seven. I know Giannis missed a couple of games. They beat them on their floor in five games. Then they come out and take game one from the Knicks, and they almost take game two with that lineup, man. I'm... So impressed by what this team has managed to do. It sounds like Jimmy's, we we know he's not missing game three. He's going to be out to the rest no. of the series. So if he's even at 80 or 90%, as good as this Knicks team has been this year, and like they took out Cleveland rather easily too. Get over here! Yeah. I have a hard time picking against Miami right now. Honestly, like me too. I don't. Th- I don't think Miami would necessarily beat Boston, but if you told me Philly got out of that series and played Miami, I would be hard pressed not to pick them again. And I did want to throw one out thing out there. I wanted to get both of you guys' opinions related to this series and from the season overall. I don't know if you remember, but we talked right before the end of the year about how no one could seem to win on the road anymore this year, and start looking at what's going on in the playoffs. Philly stole game one. Miami stole game one. The Lakers stole game one. Last round, same thing. So what do we attribute that to? Clearly home home court does not matter as much in the playoffs as it used to. I, I think we would all agree on that. Agreed. What do, you, what do you think is the differing factor between what went on in the regular season and what's going on in the playoffs? Like, Why is home court not as essential as it seemingly used to be? The only thing that I could think of is that with with rest, what what, what do we call that? What do we call the Clippers? I forgot. Um, the load management. Teams. <laughs> you with had rest. to you had to bring them up. <laughs> do you with notice the... I'm wearing a football hat? There's a reason for that. <laughs> I'm sorry, Sammy. I'm sorry. With load management, okay. I feel like there's a lot of younger players or people like just deeper in the bench playing in these games during the regular season. And as we know, the bench usually performs better at home than they do on the road. That's a great call. So I feel like just with load management, we're just seeing a deeper bench. And in the playoffs, it's like we've got this. We got the stars now, right? Well, with the exception of this heat game, because like this heat game is like ridiculous with Love, Martin, Adebayo, Struess, Gabe Vincent and the corpse of Kyle Lowry and Duncan Robinson. <laughs> like, 
I, I think that's the only thing that I could attribute it to. This Heat team has been a lot of fun, though. I always, I almost forget that the Heat are a, an eighth seed, but like the way that they play, because mm -hmm. they play so damn hard. Um, but I, I'm gonna move on from this here. Oh wait, no, I need your guys' predictions. Actually, this one's interesting. Oh, you guys man. feel like the Heat battle back to win games either? Let's see, three or four without Jimmy Butler. And I'm going to go with JJ first. It's hard for me to bet against Jimmy Butler, but since the injury is still fresh, I think the Knicks will build on that momentum from game two and they'll take game three. But then it'll be a split between three and four. So I'll say for sure that the next game, the Knicks, I think will steal in Miami. And I don't say that confidently. I'm not confident either. So Sammy, what you think? So I'm I'm gonna go two stage here. I agree with JJ. I think the Knicks take game three, but I'm gonna make a bit of a bold prediction. I think game three is the last game the Knicks won in the series. Ooh. Oh my God. I think the Heat won the series in six. And because we don't know exactly so Okay. Jimmy is questionable. Yeah. Randall's a little banged up too, right? Randall's a little banged up also. I have a feeling Jimmy's going to play. He's not quite going to be himself, but it might be one of those things where by game four, he looks a little better. So they're going to, it's kind of going to be like Embiid. They're going to try to, you know, it's only one game absence, but they're integrating him back in where he's not at 100%. They'll figure it out. And I think they go from there. And I just, with the way he's playing, the way Spo's coaching, man, it's just hard to pick against them. So that that's my bold prediction for the second round. Dang, oh I like the bold prediction. I'm going to go the opposite, actually. I think the Heat, they battled tremendously. But I feel like New York is going to take control games three and four. And they'll finish it off in six. Um, I have to ask you guys about this thing that happened on the court with Sauce Gardner and Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently, they were sitting courtside. Aaron Rodgers looks to his right and is like, oh damn, I think that's Jessica Alba. And Sauce Gardner's like, huh? He's like, you don't know who Jessica Alba is? And, he's, and he said, nah. What do you guys think of Sauce Gardner not knowing who Jessica Alba is? Because that was completely disgusting news to me. Just, just make me feel older, Sauce. Yeah. Just make me feel older. <laughs> and just just for reference and just you know pick up the filmography watch some entourage season one if you need to stuff there, there's some excellent jessica that's, album material there thank that's you. a great one that's a good one um, just that that's literally like my hard-hitting analysis i feel old because of sauce gardener and i i will leave it at that jj do you feel as old as i do come on bro like <laughs> when we were his age we knew pe we knew older actors and actresses you can't tell me it's true. You don't got no damn Google on your phone. <laughs> no. You haven't like, seen Entourage, Fantastic Four, Sin City, Sin City. <laughs> Do I need to go on? This Come is on. true. Get this... get culture, brother. Come on. <laughs> I want to ask you guys about this interaction too. So I guess Jessica Alba heard about this, okay? And she tweeted this. She she tweeted, "LOL. I totally see how this kid." sauce got his name 
He said to my girl, how can I get caught up when I'm the catch? But in all honesty, he was actually very polite with his elder, Aaron Rodgers, and everyone else in the room. It was nice meeting you, Sauce Gardner. And then she signed it as Honey or Storm. What do you guys think of like Jessica Alba's uh, tweet here? And maybe how Sauce gave that little like that little line to Jessica Alba's friend. <laughs> what do I think of it? I I guess she handled it good. I mean, she doesn't need to respond. We all know who Jay Alba is. <laughs> Don't get that twisted. True. Just make note that on this podcast, there will never, ever, ever be a negative word spoken about Jessica Alba. Mm-mm. And she handled it in the most perfect way possible. Sauce, pick up a DVD, man, if you know what one is. Let's, let's uh, get up to speed here. This is true. I mean, I don't like being like the grammar police, but how can I get caught up when I'm the catch? If you're caught, aren't aren't you the catch? I don't know. Anyway. Don't get caught up, brother. Come on. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> we got to talk about, let's see. The game is going on live right now, but the Nuggets take control of the Sun so far. Two to zero. And did, did we just watch the end of the game? Uh, we're getting close. Let's see. So just for anyone listening, it is uh, Friday night. And right now, it does look like the Suns are about to take it. So one minute left, Suns are up nine. Oh, wow. Okay. So it might be two to one as you guys are hearing this. I want your guys' prediction for the future here. Game four, we're going back to Phoenix. Do you guys feel like the Nuggets are going to respond? Yes, I think they're going to steal game four in Phoenix. This is the way I feel too. I'm the same boat. I feel this way. I also feel this way because like Nikola Jokic has been playing like out of his mind. Mm-hmm. And the, Durant Booker ahead. playing too many minutes too. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. They're absolutely playing too many minutes. So hot take. Do you guys think we robbed Nikola Jokic of his third MVP? Just looking at this series with the Phoenix Suns, how well he's performing. Oh, I mean, game two, he had like 39 and 16. The the game before that, he had like another 30 and 15 game. Like absolutely ridiculous numbers against a very mobile team in the Suns. Very, not too deep, but they're very top heavy. And to put up these numbers, it's like quite amazing to me. I just feel like we did him a disservice by not giving him an MVP this year. Can you give it to him? For a third time, is he in the elite pantheon of those MVPs that won back to back to back? That's my only concern. I I get that, but at the same time, it's like I'm also trying to look at the years individually. You know what I mean? Like it kind of sucks that like the last two years someone else didn't win. Because this year, Nikola Jokic has been playing, like, just out of his mind. It's almost like the whole Draymond thing, right? Like, should he have really been suspended just based off of previous, yeah. like, technicals and behavior? I don't think, I don't know, man. It just feels dirty. Sammy, what do you think? Well, I completely get where you're coming from. I, I do want to kind of put in perspective, though, that end of the day, this award is, is regular season, as good as Jokic yep. has been. 
Yep. And it is possible. I don't like I'm not a fan of giving out a million different awards, but I've always kind of wanted to see not just a finals MVP, but kind of a playoff MVP. Yes. I, I feel like that would be a good award. And and right now, I think it would be Jimmy one, Jokic two. But it yeah. would be a very interesting race. I, I would like to acknowledge who's been the best in the playoffs because I, I do think we don't really talk about rounds one to three. We just go to the finals and we talk about regular season. I I liked Embiid over Jokic by a hair in the regular season. But obviously, if you if you do include the playoffs, Jokic has clearly been outplayed him just because in part Embiid's been injured, but also because Denver's been so dominant so far. So I get your argument. I completely do. But based on regular season, I still think Embiid deserved Embiid. it. And okay. like JJ said, it's technically season by season, but three MVPs in a row is rarefied error, man. It's really rarefied error. And it's it's hard. Like, you're not supposed to count it, but I can't help but consider that when I look at that award. Uh, I'm going to say it again. I've said it before. I want to say it, you know, till it happens. Push back the voting, please. So what would you rather have? I would rather have them vote for the MVP after 12 games into the playoffs into the conference so you'd rather be all the way up until basically all the way up because 16 games 21 games it depends how many games you play right like okay postseason is another grind that's when you are judged that's when you have the legacies of your boy Kawhi grow the legacies of Steph grow that's when Dwayne Wade had his coming out party like who and the players even show this like they are living proof the regular season does not matter mm-hmm. yeah jj i'm i'm with you um uh, so can i bring up an emergency topic about this series yes go ahead we i think we all saw that viral video of eight in the last game just standing behind the glass Watching. while Jokic tipped it three different times yes i want to put out there right now this game does look like it's almost over Monty Williams is closing this game with Jock Landale with Aiton on the bench. I just oh. want to put that out there. I just I just noticed that when we were watching this. I, I took a quick look around the Twitterverse while we were talking just to make sure that it wasn't because of injury. And it doesn't look like it is. They just made one sub and Aiton's still not in the game. So... Hmm. Wow. Why don't Where you take out Cameron Payne since he has a, he's had a minus 16? <laughs> and, he, and he's still playing over Aiden. Aiden in this game. Wow. Let, let me put this out there for you. Aiden in this game is two for six for four points and nine rebounds. Do we that. have an emergency uh, so-called star situation brewing here? Is Aiden still there next year? And how, Can they win this series with him playing like this? Answer whichever one you want, but man, this is a this is a trending topic. If it's Jock Landale, Jock so Landale. I'm just trying to think of like what the advantage would be. Like I I guess like Jokic is not very fast, and like how is Aiton not like running him out of the gym? Right? You know what I mean? Yeah. And like is is Jock Landale? I guess he is a little bit athletic, running up and down the court, but I would. Feel like he would be like more of a defensive liability. I feel like Aiton would be better defensively. So this is really interesting to me. Um, but it does seem like, oh man, if the Suns get exited with Aiton coming off the bench, I think that would be almost like a death blow for Aiton. I think being on the Suns. in the series with him on the bench. 
<clears throat> I mean, he already wanted to go somewhere else at the end of last year. He signed the offer sheet with Indiana, I believe. Yeah, absolutely. But boys, we, we got to talk about our last topic here. We got to talk about Coach Bud. He's been fired by the Milwaukee Bucks, and they, of course, suffered a preceded round exit, first round exit, after being, sorry, the the um, the first seed. And it's just very strange. It's very strange that he got fired after winning the championship in 2021. It only took them two seasons. And of course, like the general manager said it's a very difficult decision. <laughs> Um, his helped us like through five incredible seasons, blah, 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 but end up letting him go. What do you guys think of this firing? Do you think it was warranted? There's context. That's the thing with this, Jun. Like if we're just going off the results of what happened the first round, it does deserve a firing. But life isn't just black and gray like that. Right, Sammy? Like Absolutely. There are side stories. You don't know what people are going through. I don't know if that's excusable, but let's just break it down from basketball standpoint first. You have um, Mike Budenholzer putting Brooke Lopez on the bench, which leaves Jimmy Butler open for the alley-oop to tie the game, which eventually led to the Heat win. Correct, guys? Yes. Yeah. You have absolutely. that pitiful, uh, pitiful game, closeout game, where Jimmy Butler's going off, and you have your defensive player of the year, MVP player candidate, not guard the best player in Jimmy Butler. Meaning Giannis should have guarded Butler. No double team. Correct? I would Correct. agree. And then fourth quarter, point five seconds left we've seen time and time again in the playoffs where a coach at least provides a chance for the team to win calls a timeout both times overtime and the fourth quarter and coach bud does not call a timeout and openly admits it in the press conference he says yeah we should have called the timeout basketball yes. standpoint he has to be held accountable. A lot of Buck fans are saying, before the news broke out that his brother died, that he should have been fired two years ago, but Durant's foot saved him. <laughs> oh, man. Um, <laughs> Dammy, help me out here, though, man. That, like, that no, man. could yeah, possibly but, be true. Yeah, Go ahead, Sammy. Yeah. June, Sammy, yeah, I just, no, I, I'm in agreement just that, you know, he, going back to Atlanta, uh, he seems to be able to coach up teams to a lot of regular season wins. And obviously you respect any coach that's won the NBA title, but there has been a trend of a lack of adjustments or the wrong adjustments in these situations. And the most egregious ones were the ones that JJ just called out, but they're not the only ones. So mm -hmm. like, like you mentioned with his brother, like sincere, sincere condolences on that front. Can't imagine dealing with a tragedy like that, but purely looking at the basketball standpoint, I get it. It's like, yeah, he led them to a title a couple years back, but at the same time, if you're seeing an opportunity to improve and if you have, without question, one of the best three players on the planet, you don't know how long that window is open. And if you see that you can make an improvement in that, 
you absolutely have to pounce because they might have him under contract for however long, but as we've seen over and over and over in today's NBA, all it takes is one phone call of, I'm not happy, trade me for that to change. So you got to keep your guys happy. And Giannis, I've always appreciated, is not the type to outright complain or, you know, scapegoat someone necessarily. But some of the comments he made were kind of like a dressed up way of saying oh, yeah. our adjustments weren't there. It wasn't my uh, decision not to guard Jimmy, stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Right. Where it, it was kind of there that, you know, he would want to take those assignments. And who better to defend a player like that than a 6'11 dude who moves like a guard and can stay with anybody? Like, why, why would he not be guarding the best player on that team in that scenario? So... I, I hate to say it, I never want to see people get fired, but I, I understand why Milwaukee did it. And I'm very, very curious to see what type of coach with what strengths they bring in for this version of this team. June, yeah. I know you said before the pod that this was foul. Can you expand on that? I mean, like, I don't know. I mean, Coach Bud gets fired after what his, his brother died. Yeah. His brother died during the series. I think game four. And would you give him? Would you have given him a pass if you're the front office? Both I don't know, Sam, man. Grand Sammy, what do you guys think, man? Like sometimes it's about relationships too, and like yeah. it just it just seems like a kick in the groin for someone that did so much for the city of Milwaukee and also the Milwaukee Bucks by providing them a championship ring. Like, could it have wait, like waited another year? I don't know. I don't know what kind of pressure was coming either. I don't know if this was predetermined as well. Like the one they won the champ, the year, the sorry, the year they won a championship. Like it really felt like that could have been Bud's last year, mm-hmm. and that yes. was the only damn way <laughs> that he wasn't going to get fired. Is and if he ha- won a ring? Yes, and it happened. It happened. So I, I also get that part, but I don't know, man. It just seems sort of foul. I know that Coach Bud also has, I think, like two years left on his contract. I don't know how much of that is guaranteed, but I assume that 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 some of that money is still going to be paid two years from now. So I guess it's not doing him that dirty, but I don't know, man. I Okay, I need to follow up. Okay. Okay. I know Jun, you're more like of the conspiracy guy. Sammy, your cap guy, our trade guy. I want predictions. Coach pick, number one. Number two, does Middleton come back? And three, their guard, um, uh, Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday mentioned retirement in his press conference. Does he come back? Does he play for another two years? So one, I want predictions. Oh man, I want coach. Okay, and then I want to know if you think Middleton will come back. Sammy, you want you want to kick it off? Or you want me to kick it off? <laughs> well, you go ahead. You go ahead. Okay, so so for coach, they need championship caliber coach. Okay. That's the only way that you're going to get Giannis behind you. You can't come like come off plucky with like some young hiring who's a visionary, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Okay. I think you gotta go like Ime Udoka's gotta be in that conversation, even though well, he's been... he already got hired. Did he get hired? He's in Houston. Never mind. Forget that. Nick <laughs> Nurse. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go with Nick Nurse. 
I think that's someone who could coach Giannis. He coached a really great team in 2018, a freaking buzzsaw that took down the Warriors. I think Nick Nurse also would bring enough hope to Drew Holiday and Middleton to at least see how it works for one more year. So that's where I'm going to go. I think they both return, and I think the coach is Nick Nurse. I generally agree because I think the thought process is going to be, well, the coaching was an issue. So if the coach improves, the rest of the roster is fine. So yeah. I, I think you're right. I think they're going to run it back. I like Nick Nurse a lot, too. I, I actually would have gone with him myself. But just to throw another option out there, what won Milwaukee the title? What do we always talk about here on the clinic? Defense. Defense, baby. Bingo. So there's a certain championship winning bubblehead coach oh. that's also available. <laughs> Vogel? Uh, Yes, who, how did that Lakers team win? They won on defense, and it's not talked about enough. <laughs> Interesting. I could see I them it. looking at Vogel if, for whatever reason, it doesn't work out with Nurse. I do think Nurse would be the top oh. choice to throw a dark horse candidate out there. Who wait, is wait, actually let, me, being let me talk big. about Vogel a little bit more here. Please, shoot, go. I think it makes sense for Vogel as well, because mm -hmm. when they won a championship, they won it with Anthony Davis. Mm -hmm. And who's the person that's like Anthony Davis? Or rather, they're like each other? Giannis Antetokounmpo. Exactly. So that makes a lot of sense. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, so that's one. The Dark Horse candidate, who they actually interviewed before hiring Bud, is Becky Hammond. Ooh. He's oh. been getting interviews. And she already interviewed for a different job. I uh, Forgive me, I don't remember the other job she interviewed for. Uh, this year? Yes. Oh. He did interview for one job already. She's, I mean, she comes from the pop tree, so you know that gets a lot of respect around the league. Would not remotely surprise me if they interview her again, because it sounds like she is going to be a head coach in the NBA sometime in the next few years. So I wouldn't be surprised if they consider her again. So those would be my my three, I guess. Nick Nurse, Vogel, or Becky Hammond. She, she interviewed for the Raptors position. Oh, there you go. Okay. Man, interesting. JJ, what are your predictions, man? I like Nick Nurse. But I got to give up to Becky Hammond. It would be dope to see to have her with the coach pop influence in Milwaukee. Yeah. And that ball movement. That ball that movement feels awesome. like it would be great in that I mean Milwaukee has a little bit of a Spurs feel, right? Yeah. Like just a little bit, like the way they're they're set up, so I think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. No, absolutely. Well, boys, that's actually all we have time for tonight. I want to thank you two for being on. JJ, thanks for being on, man. Thanks, everybody. Appreciate you all. Sammy, thanks for being on. Thanks, man. Everyone enjoy the games this weekend. And, of course, shout-out to John and shout-out to our video producer, RJ. Check out our YouTube channel. Remember to rate, subscribe, and review. Like us on our Facebook group page, The Clinic All-NBA Podcast, and follow us on Twitter at Clinic All-NBA. I'm Rosa Panta. This is The Clinic All-NBA Podcast. Come find us wherever you get your podcasts. That's the one I want you to know.